Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast, where we take a behind-the-scenes, intimate look at surgery from leaders in the field. Okay, and welcome to a new episode of Behind the Knife. Today, we are releasing our first of the Medical Student and Intern Survival Guide. This is a collaboration we're doing with some of our friends at the University of Michigan, uh, Patrick Georgioff and Vahog Nikolian. So the plan is to publish about uh, 10 to 15 of these over the next uh, month or so um, to get it out before uh, interns start their year um, so they can have a little basic background knowledge that will really help. The rising interns were probably much fresher on this information before their second half of their fourth year when they were likely traveling and partying around the world uh, to celebrate uh, the end of medical school. But now it's time to get back to reality and this is a good start. This will also be really helpful for all medical students that are about to start their general surgery rotations and throughout their general surgery rotations. So if you have med students, I'd recommend um, that you know they listen to this. I think this is a really good starting point um, to help give them the basics they need to understand what's going on. Um, so uh, please uh, you know, send them our way. Um, give some love uh, to Patrick and Vahog. Uh, I, I included their email and their Twitter handle in the uh, show notes. So uh, if you guys really like this and want to see a full series of these come out, uh, you know, share the love and uh, let us know that you like it. Along with this collaboration, we have a new collaboration coming out uh, that we've hinted at, and we can't quite release all the details yet, but it's with the Leading Surgical Journal, and uh, they are giving us access to their articles and uh, to the top um, authors and leaders around the country to help break down these articles for us on a monthly basis. Um, so this is going to be really exciting, and it's going to be uh, a great addition behind the knife. So look forward to that coming out in the next couple of months here. All right, Patrick and Vahag, take it away. Welcome to Behind the Knife Medical Student and Intern Survival Guide. The Behind the Knife Medical Student and Intern Survival Guide is a new surgical education podcast series that focuses on high-yield topics relevant to both medical students and surgical interns. My name is Patrick Georgioff. And I'm Vahag Nikolian. We are general surgery residents at the University of Michigan, and we will be your hosts. We are huge fans of the entire Behind the Knife crew and are excited to be able to contribute. We will be covering core surgery topics that are encountered on surgical rotations, the ab site, and the wards. We will approach these in a case-based format to highlight the clinically significant aspects for each. Today's topic will be benign biliary pathology. This is a great topic to start with because it's very common and there are only four scenarios you need to know. So let's get started. Okay, Avahag, you are the surgery consult resident. The emergency department calls you with a consult for right upper quadrant pain. You go to see the patient, who is a 41-year-old woman with a history of asthma, high blood pressure, and obesity. Uh, what do you want to know? For all patients, it's important to get a better understanding of their pain symptoms. I would ask about how long the pain has been present, what it feels like, if there's anything that makes the pain better or worse, and if the patient's had symptoms like this before. Right, good. Okay, so uh, the patient states that uh, her pain began last night, about two hours after eating some pizza. And she became nauseous, she was diaphoretic, uh, she developed some epigastric pain, uh, and this later migrated to her right upper quadrant and to her right shoulder. So the pain resolves on its own, and or did resolve on its own. She went to bed, but was awoken from sleep this morning with similar symptoms. 
and uh, decided to come to the emergency department. The patient states she's had one similar episode a few years ago when she was pregnant. Uh, so, Vahag, at this point, what's your differential diagnosis? So her symptoms are consistent with biliary colic, which is a term used to describe the pain that results from the gallbladder squeezing against a blocked cystic duct. Uh, this is most common, commonly found to be intermittent, self-resolving. Uh, it can be sharp in the right upper quadrant and often brought about by fatty meals. In regards to the differential diagnosis, it remains broad at this time and includes gastritis, peptic ulcers, pancreatitis, hepatitis, and benign biliary pathology like cholecystitis as well. All right. Uh, so what else do you want to know? Yeah, Patrick. So for patients in which I have a concern for biliary issues, I ask about jaundice, a change in the color of the urine or stool, specifically dark cola-colored urine or white acolic stool. I'd also want to know if she's ever been diagnosed with gallstones in the past. Okay. So uh, the patient denies jaundice and states that an ultrasound done a few years ago showed gallstones. Um, and the remainder of her past medical history, her past surgical history, uh, etc., is, is unremarkable. Okay. I'd like to know about the patient's vital signs uh, and findings on physical exams, specifically the abdominal exam. Okay. The patient's vital signs are normal. Uh, she is afebrile. Uh, her abdominal exam is notable for mild tenderness in the right upper quadrant. And uh, Murphy's sign is negative. Uh, Bahag, what is Murphy's sign? All right. For the students, this is a very common question asked while performing a physical exam on a patient with right upper quadrant pain. Murphy's sign is the sudden cessation of breathing that occurs when the gallbladder is palpated, either with your hand or an ultrasound probe. When you're performing this maneuver, you ask the patient to exhale completely. You gently place your hand over the right upper quadrant, just underneath the right costal margin, and then push down while the patient breathes in. If they stop breathing because of the pain, the test is positive for a Murphy sign. Excellent. So how would you like to work this patient up? In all patients with possible biliary pathology, the workup is very similar. I would order a set of labs, including a CBC, comprehensive metabolic panel, and a lipase. And for imaging, I'd order a right upper quadrant ultrasound. Okay. Your right upper quadrant ultrasound is red and uh, shows cholelithiasis. Uh, her, ad, uh, her, excuse me, her labs are otherwise normal. Uh, so what, what is cholelithiasis, actually? Okay. So that's stones in the gallbladder, and it fits with this patient's presentation and demographic. So she's fat, fertile, 40, and female, the Fs of cholelithiasis. Okay. Uh, so what is the actual diagnosis? What is it not uh, as well, and, and how do you treat that? In this case, the patient has a diagnosis of symptomatic cholelithiasis. It is not cholecystitis. I'd recommend the patient undergo an elective laparoscopic cholecystectomy, and she does not need antibiotics at this time. Okay, so what do you mean by, by elective? Really, any time that's convenient for the patient. Ideally, we could schedule her within the next couple of weeks since it seems like her symptoms are worsening. In many centers, including the University of Michigan, we typically will set patients up for an expedited laparoscopic cholecystectomy, either at the same time of their evaluation or a few weeks after. Okay, excellent. So you, you, you inform the patient of her diagnosis and your recommendation for surgery. However, uh, she is skeptical, and she is wondering why she needs surgery, especially now that uh, her pain is resolved. So that's a legitimate question, but 
Basically, the risk-benefit ratio ultimately favors surgery, especially in symptomatic patients. Complications like acute cholecystitis, cholangitis, and gallstone pancreatitis are more common and can be very debilitating. Right on. Okay, so this is the first of the four scenarios you need to know. Uh, this is symptomatic cholelithiasis. That this results from stones in the gallbladder that cause intermittent biliary colic, but there's no infection. Uh, so the recommended treatment is elective cholecystectomy. All right, let's move on uh, to the next scenario. So the same woman comes in the ED with the same complaint. She's obese, 41, with a history of gallstones, and she presents with biliary colic. And you go through the same workup, but identify the following differences from our first scenario. Uh, she has a positive Murphy sign. Her white blood cell count is 16,000. And her right upper quadrant ultrasound shows acute cholecystitis. What is acute cholecystitis and what are the imaging characteristics of cholecystitis on ultrasound? Um, Acute cholecystitis is inflammation of the gallbladder. Over 90% of cholecystitis is the result of gallstones blocking the cystic duct. Ultrasound is the preferred imaging modality uh, for right upper quadrant issues and has a greater than 80% sensitivity and 90% specificity for diagnosis of cholecystitis. On ultrasound, the most sensitive findings are going to be a sonographic Murphy sign, gallbladder wall thickening of greater than 3 millimeters, and pericholecystic fluid. All right, Vahog, I think you get honors on this scenario. Uh, that's all correct. And uh, CT scan is not as good uh, as ultrasound in this scenario. Uh, remember also that ultrasound is uh, good for visualizing the common bile duct as well, uh, which we did not mention, but in this case is, is uh, normal. Okay, uh, Vahog, for double honors, uh, how do you treat acute cholecystitis? First, go ahead and make the patient NPO and start IV fluids with antibiotics. Uh, hemodynamically stable patients with appropriate surgical risk should have their gallbladder removed within 24 hours of presentation. There is data that shows that waiting for the infection to cool down by giving antibiotics for a few days or, or weeks will result in worse surgical outcomes and greater morbidity to the patient. Okay. So there are a few common surgeries that medical students should actually be able to describe, and that includes cholecystectomy, uh, maybe appendectomy, inguinal hernia repair. And, uh, you know, I personally, I always ask my students to describe uh, the key steps to doing a cholecystectomy. And really, what is a cholecystectomy all center around Vahog? Okay, so if you have to learn one element of a laparoscopic cholecystectomy, understand the critical view of safety. Okay, what is that? So the critical view of safety is a method of identifying the cystic duct and the cystic artery during a laparoscopic cholecystectomy. To obtain the critical view of safety, the lower one-third of the gallbladder must be cleared off the liver. The cystic duct and the common hepatic duct have to be exposed, and you have to see two and only two structures entering the gallbladder. These are going to be the cystic duct and the artery. Once you obtain this critical view, you can go ahead and ligate these two structures. This is all done to avoid injuries to the surrounding structures, in particular the common bile duct. Great, great. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that concludes our second of four scenarios that you need to know. Uh, this was acute cholecystitis and occurs uh, uh, when stones block the cystic duct and the gallbladder gets in, inflamed. And so pres patients present with right upper quadrant pain, uh, they'll have positive Murphy sign, elevated white blood cell count, and a thickened gallbladder wall and pericholecystic fluid on ultrasound. So the treatment is immediate antibiotics and cholecystectomy within 24 hours. All right, uh, let's move on to scenario number three. So again, this is the same woman. She comes into the ED with similar complaints. She's obese, 
41-year-old with a history of gallstones and, again, with barely colic. You go through the same workup but identify the following differences from our first scenario. She has no Murphy sign. Her white blood cell count is normal. She is jaundiced. Her ALT is 250 in addition to her AST, and her alkaline phosphatase 400. And her total bilirubin is 3.2 with a direct component of 2.8. Light pace is normal, and her right upper quadrant ultrasound shows cholelithiasis and a dilated common bile duct, but there's no stone actually seen in the duct. So, Vahog, what, what's going on here? All right, so this case sounds more like cholelithiasis or stones in the common bile duct. The patient has no evidence of cholecystitis or gallstone pancreatitis, but does have signs of obstruction based on her elevated LFTs as well as the dilated common bile duct. Right, and what's the normal size for a, a common bile duct? All right, so a normal common bile duct should be less than 6 millimeters. In some patients, for instance, older patients or those who have had a prior cholecystectomy, a common bile duct can be as large as 10 millimeters. Okay, so we've got isolated cholelithiasis here. How do you go about treating it? All right, again, for this patient, go ahead and make them NPO, start IV fluids, and initiate antibiotics. Next, two things have to happen. First, we have to ensure that the duct is cleared of stones. Second, we have to remove the source of stones, the gallbladder. One of the most common approaches to clearing the duct is ERCP, which can be both diagnostic and therapeutic. And ERCP uses an endoscope with different instruments to visualize the biliary system with fluoroscopy and clear the duct of sludge and stones. After the duct is cleared, you can proceed with laparoscopic cholecystectomy. Okay. Uh, uh, there are other options, though, uh, um, uh, for ensuring that the duct is clear. And what are those? So for diagnostic purposes, other examinations of the biliary system include an MRCP or an intraoperative cholangiogram. The MRCP uses an MRI to uh, image the biliary system. This is strictly going to be diagnostic in nature. Other options include performing a cholangiogram during the time of your operation. Yeah, that's right. And uh, to perform an intraoperative cholangiogram, uh, what you do is insert a catheter into the isolated cystic duct during surgery, and typically using laparoscopic instruments to do this, and you shoot dye into the biliary system. So using intraoperative fluoroscopy, you can identify any filling defects inside the duct. And if you see something, you can perform a duct exploration, uh, which can be done with laparoscopic instruments or uh, via uh, open surgical techniques. Now, alternatively, and uh, more commonly, you can just refer the patient for a post-operative uh, ERCP to clear the duct as well. Uh, it's also important to note that a, a lot of times these stones pass on their own and the patient's LFTs normalize. Um, if this happens, you uh, can uh, take the patient for lap coli and confirm that the duct is clear using intraoperative cholangiography. All right, so let's take a step back and review. Cholelithiasis can be a very big deal because patients can develop sepsis, secondary to cholangitis, or other complications like gallstone pancreatitis, uh, which is highly morbid. Yeah, yeah, and on that note, let's, let's go ahead and then tweak the patient's presentation a bit here. Let's make this patient now febrile, a tachycardic, hypotensive. Uh, let's give her a white count of 28,000. Uh, she'll be jaundiced on exam elevated LFTs, and again, a, a common, or excuse me, a dilated common bile duct on ultrasound. So this patient, uh, as, as described, this patient would have cholangitis, and she needs IV antibiotics and urgent decompression of the biliary tree via a STAT ERCP. All right, so a uh, side note, uh, Patrick, since you described 
cholangitis. Can you tell us a little about Charcot's triad? Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, highly pimpable here. So Charcot's triad is right upper quadrant pain, jaundice, and fevers, and there's uh, Renaud's pentad as well, um, which uh, is uh, adds altered mental status and uh, hypotension uh, to the presentation. So going back to our patient, once she is decompressed and stabilizes, uh, she can be taken for cholecystectomy. All right, so I think you know that, that covers the, the third of our four scenarios. That's cholelithiasis. Uh, cholelithiasis typically presents with elevated LFTs and a dilated common bile duct. Treatment includes decompression of the biliary tree and uh, removing the source of the stones, uh, which is the gallbladder. Uh, if they present with a cholangitis, this is an emergency and it requires a stat ERCP. All right, so let's move on to our last scenario. So we're going to switch this up uh, entirely uh, of a hog. So we have a new patient. Uh, it's a 71-year-old man in the ICU with delirium, uh, with pneumonia. Uh, he is of uh, ventilator-dependent respiratory failure. Uh, he's in septic shock on multiple high-dose vasopressors, has kidney failure uh, uh, on continuous renal replacement therapy, and overall is, is just ill. Uh, so he's also on broad-spectrum antibiotics, but his white count has bumped, and so the ICU team uh, ordered a right upper quadrant ultrasound that showed gangrenous uh, cholecystitis. So what do you want to do? Yeah, so this is another classic. There isn't much more you need to know. And this patient is not a candidate for surgery, laparoscopic, open, or anything else. He's just too unstable. So in this case, we would again resuscitate the patient, uh, continue with the antibiotics, and for source control, we would recommend placement of a cholecystostomy tube. Okay, so then what is a cholecystostomy tube? Yeah, so a cholecystostomy tube is a percutaneous drainage catheter uh, that's placed into the gallbladder typically by interventional radiology. It allows for drainage of the infected gallbladder and resolution of the infection. If the patient goes on to recover, it can later be removed, usually during the time of cholecystectomy. All right, well, I'm glad you didn't uh, suggest surgery, and so oftentimes students want to take this patient to the OR, uh, and in that case, I always have them die on the table or shortly thereafter, so that's kind of traumatic, I'm, uh, so I'm happy we're able to avoid that. But um, all right, well, that wraps up our, our first Behind the Knife Medical Student uh, and Intern Edition podcast here. Uh, we covered the four benign biliary pathology scenarios that you need to know as a medical student and surgical intern. Uh, and again, those are cholelithiasis, cholecystitis, cholelithiasis with or without cholangitis, and the patient who is too sick for surgery and needs a cholecystostomy too. All right, Bahag, let's finish off with a rapid-fire review. All right, let's do it. Okay, how do you treat symptomatic cholelithiasis? All right, you'll do an elective laparoscopic cholecystectomy. Okay. What are the findings of cholecystitis on ultrasound? You'll have a thickened gallbladder wall, pericholecystic fluid, and a positive sonographic Murphy sign. Excellent. Uh, how do you treat a patient with uh, cholangitis secondary to cholelithiasis? All right, so antibiotics an ERCP to decompress the duct, and cholecystectomy once the patient stabilizes. All right, this is a, uh, an important question. Uh, what is the critical view of safety? All right, so this is the critical point in every laparoscopic cholecystectomy in which the cystic duct and the artery uh, is identified with space between them and the liver, and it's done so that you can clearly identify uh, and avoid injury to the common bile duct. Great. And how do you treat an unstable patient with cholecystitis? 
you'll perform a percutaneous cholecystostomy uh, tube or place a percutaneous cholecystostomy tube, I should say. All right, good. Well, we hope you found this useful. Uh, please reach out to us via email, which can be found in the show notes with suggestions and uh, topic requests. Uh, so next uh, uh, a t- week, we're actually going to discuss trauma, and uh, we hope you will join us. So uh, take care, and remember, dominate the day. Until next time, dominate the day.